Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest, a returning guest. Her name is Kathy Shell Amadon. And we spoke two years ago about her experience working as a Tea Party fire ant or somebody who was very active online and how she was censored, etc., by some of these big tech entities or corporations. And it's still in the news today. I I got censored. I know a lot of people were censored. I can't get into my YouTube channel. And so for people who think all my shows are on YouTube or my William Ramsey Investigates version two, that's about half of my shows. All of my shows can be found at William Ramsey Investigates on iTunes or Spotify or whatever aggregator of podcasts you use. And if you like the show and you like some of the research I've done, please feel free to leave a five-star review on there. It really helps with the algorithm. Leave a five-star review. I'd appreciate it. And that's really the best place to listen to my show. That At this point, it's uncensored, which unfortunately I have to leave stuff off of YouTube and Facebook uh, due to the censorship. But Kathy can talk more about her experiences. She goes way back all the way to 2014. So, Kathy, welcome back to the show. Hey, William. Uh, thank you for having me back on the show. Um, appreciate it a lot. And I just thought that now is a perfect time with everything going on with big tech and especially all the um, uh, Elon Musk stories and uh, some other things that have come out in the past day or two about Twitter that, um, I, you know, being the co-founder of the Tea Party Finance Group back in 2013-14, that there's a lot of relevant things that are going on now. I feel like we've pretty much gone full circle, so I wanted to discuss some of that. Great. Well, thanks for coming back. And so maybe we can go back for people who didn't hear our earlier interview, which I actually reposted in the last month. Maybe you can just do a brief recap and kind of bring it up to the present. Uh, Sure, I can try. um, I was the co-founder of a, I would say, a conservative activist team. We, uh, my my former partner, um, went by the name of ProGraphique was the one that came up with all the ideas to do this stuff. But we got we figured out how to get on Twitter and had a team of people across the country, a few people, that um, really worked for no money to help out some, a couple of congressmen on it to galvanize Congress to co-sponsor a couple of important House bills. And in doing so, we, we were probably on there every night, two or three hours a night, without missing a day for about 17 months at least. But during that time, we obviously got the attention of some very bad people. Um, I was brand new to the political scene and pretty new to Twitter. So what was com- what was to come and hit us was a shock to me. Um, it was traumatizing. It was very, very scary. Is that Twitter... Uh, evidently, in hindsight, and, and not so much hindsight as it was then. What we did was we we helped a congressman, retired congressman, Frank Wolf, mm-hmm. uh, gain co-sponsors for House Resolution 36, which was, if you remember, his bill that ended up creating the Benghazi Select Committee. Well, evidently, there was people within Twitter that did not want that Benghazi Select Committee. So we weren't—we were just attacked by this small group of—we used to call them trolls. Now I call them operatives. 
and w- from within some of the probably the, some of the executives, especially the Twitter trust and safety head at the time, Del Harvey, uh, evidently was helping these people or maybe even leading these people. And right, and there was a there was that. a specific group, right, Kathy? It was called Truthy. Well, there was a, a Truthy <clears throat> connection in the sense that uh, we were contacted uh, a, a congressman's office that I was speaking to back then about investigating Twitter. Um, finally, ended up saying, "Well, we had the wrong committee," and he sent me somebody else, and that was the the person that was heading up this Truthy uh, thing. But that went absolutely nowhere, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we were attacked by a small group of people, pretty nasty little troll operatives that I'm pretty sure now were connected to Twitter's uh, trust and safety with the blessings of Twitter and probably on up into, if we ever get the real names of the, the leader of that little pack, um, uh, a connection of one of Dale Harvey's close friends that used to be her founder to her prior organization, Perverted Justice, which was a trolling operation, and or Obama and Hillary themselves, because who else did not want that Benghazi Select Committee bad enough to harass us all over the Internet for six years and send death threats and doxes and all the things that were going on? It was really horrible. (laughs) Right. Isn't Dale Harvey have some relationship with the political parties i mean democrats well i i don't i'm sure she probably does i know everybody every other executive within twitter was connected to the obama or hillary camp um i think uh pro my former my partner my former partner back then had that blog on Benghazi. there's a blog called benghazi truth blogspot.com and if you if somebody wants to look up a couple of these articles he wrote, they were really good back in 2014, guys. 2014. Um, this one was uh, titled Conservative Abuse on Twitter and Twitter's Intimate Ties to Obama's White House. That was July 27th, 2014, that my the, co- the founder of, the, uh, of our team wrote. And what that shows is every executive that had been in Twitter – was connected to the Democratic Party and or Obama's White House. Every one of them. Uh, there was Biz Stone. He was a, a co-founder, and um, one of his quotes was, maybe the Twitter of the future will have an entire news department dedicated to varying, verifying the truthfulness of the tweets. Right. Now, what, does that sound familiar? Um, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Jack Dorsey. We all remember Jack Dorsey. Um, Jack Dorsey was also involved in, I think it was the, he was a keynote speaker at the National Democratic Institute 30th anniversary dinner. Got a picture on there with him with Barack Obama. Via Gaddy, the general counsel. She was involved. Another one that was a regular Obama campaign donor uh, Katie Stanton, uh, when she was there, she had worked for the White House under President Obama and the State Department under Hillary Clinton. It goes on and on and on and shows these connections. So the things that were going on within Twitter back then, 
are, are finally coming a little bit to, uh, to surface and to light today. Right. And you also got, you were kind of the first one who got channel ba- shadow banned, right? Could you have, I'm pretty sure we, yeah. yeah, I did. Uh, in 2015, um, that's when I first noticed the shadow banning because as the Tea Party Fire Ants, we were on there every night. We were, had, had gotten several thousand followers pretty quickly. Um, and, and we were being retweeted by congressmen. Uh, there's, um, a video on that Tea Party net website called I'm a Proud Tea Party Fire Ant that shows the, um, some of the retweets and things. And there's a graphic too of the congressmen that were thanking us for our work on letting them know about Benghazi and that they signed on. Well, I knew they signed on because I was getting updates all the time. But anyway, um, having said that, um, in 2015, the last thing that we tried to do was help Congressman Ted Yoho. Uh, he had a bill that my uh, that, that ProGraphic found, and uh, we wanted to help him because I think it was called uh, House Resolution 168, if I'm not mistaken, and it defined high crimes and misdemeanors of this administration, talking about Obama. He had two or three co-sponsors, and we tried to get you know get on Twitter as a little collective group like we always did to get co-sponsors for that bill. And that was the first night that I noticed uh, we're getting nothing. We went from getting, you know, maybe 50, 100, 200 retweets on some of those tweets a night to zero. So that was that was the first shadow banning uh, that I was aware of, and uh, I proved it and started calling some of the house reps and letting them know so I, they could take a look and they could see that I tweeted that stuff, but nobody saw it. So this goes back to 2014, 2015. Right. And you also, so you, it wasn't shadow banning, but it's also this muting that t- takes place. Like you can hit a mute button on Twitter, but you think they muted you without your consent, right? So they secretly muted you. Um, do I think they muted me? Yes. Or mute? No. Okay. No, was... because it would have, it would have had to have been all of them. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? And when I was calling, we were friendly. They were friendly to us, and I knew several of them at the time where I could call and talk to their chief of staffs or their legislative directors, even communications directors, and they would take the time to go look and look at the tweets and look at their their threads and go, I see it on your page, but not mine. Right, but I'm saying I'm saying that Twitter muted you, not somebody oh. else. Oh, well, I don't know if okay. what they did to make us invisible. Oh. If it went, shadow banning would be the same thing as mute, wouldn't it? I think so. Probably. I don't, I don't really. <clears throat> Let's put it this uh, you, way. My account's been invisible ever since. Right. So you've, you've had an invisible <laughs> account. No, nobody's gone on to and followed you. Without, now, I try the to tweet that to you people. had prior to 2015. Right. right. I try to tweet to people when it's invisible. <clears throat> uh, and I do want to share this to you. Might as well get this one out. Um, is even um, after my former partner went on he i think he just got out of it completely so we just kind of i hope to get him back into this at some point in the near future but um i pulled together a couple of the other former fire ants and some new friends in 2019 2020 and we were going to try this same approach again to help rep paul gozar get co-sponsors for his bill of the stop the censorship act and in both 
both years, and especially 2019, we tried it for a few days, and again, invisible. 2020, we tried again, um, and I, I mean, I've talked to the office and say, hey, we're going to try to do this and try to help you guys get these co-sponsors. I knew I was shadow banned into oblivion, but I was hoping bringing some of these other newer faces in that some of them would go through, but no, it it seemed as if Twitter went through to extra lengths to make this invisible and also to make it tougher for me to prove because instead of simply shadow banning me, all of my team, I had six or seven people, were still invisible to the reps. And instead of me being able to do a drop-down thread and see everybody and take screenshots of it, I would see two or three of us on a, on a rep's thread. My other team member would see two or three different people on the thread. A third person would see something different. They went to extraordinary measures to make sure that it was very tough to prove. Interesting. And so then you also had the death threats, right? So you had death threats. You also think that you were monitored outside of Twitter too, right? Oh, oh absolutely. When you go back into 2013, 14, when we were really in this, on this battlefield, that's why, you know, sometimes now I go, you know, General Flynn's talking about we have original, uh, we have digital soldiers. I said, well, we were the original digital soldiers and truly were on a battlefield because these, these, Troll operatives that worked out within Twitter, uh, probably for Twitter, um, they were attacking us with death threats. They were reading our private messages. And how do you know that? Because they were putting some of the stuff on Twitter. They were listening to our phone calls. How do I know that? Because they were putting some of that stuff on Twitter. To demoralize, to scare you to death, to threaten you, get pictures of your family, kids, and put off of their Facebook pages as if to say, we know who your family is. All right, so they totally doxed you. Yeah, they, they totally, totally did. They put a map one time to where I lived, um, and nobody even knew where I was at that point except one my, my partner. Nobody knew, and they did that. So that was a little bit more than uh, somebody out there that disagreed with you on Twitter, and plus – Every time I started, we started noticing that wherever we went, whether it be putting up a new video on YouTube, there they were, you know, harassing and comp- making comments there. Um, our crowdfunder was shut down during one of my interviews when we were trying to raise money for uh, the first uh, 3D Christian movie project, which was that bravery. Um, excellent, excellent idea. And I think that we would have been able to do it, but they made damn sure we couldn't. So they blocked it. They shut us down. They shut the crowdfunder down until after the radio show. And then a couple of other times that we tried to do the crowdfunders, um, during, I had uh, booked him, book pro for radio interviews that were very successful. And it was like, as if they were just totally blocked. It was wild stuff. So do you re- I, William, do you remember when uh, Senator Hawley was at the hearing talking about uh, Facebook and a software called Centra? No, I don't. He was talking about a software um, that Facebook supposedly, well, no no supposing, I'm sure they were, um, was using called Centra. And Centra was um, a software that allowed them to be able to know where you were all over the Internet. 
right? They were following people even after being off of Facebook, right? Right. But I would, I've, I've been trying to make the point that I believe that that probably started or something like it within Twitter because that's when it started for us is when we went to, whether we went to uh, YouTube, when we finally went, gave up on Twitter and went to Facebook, everything we did, there they were. The same trolls, the same harassment, hacking into, hacking into people's Facebook pages. It was just everywhere. It's incredible. It's like a real uh, cloak and dagger enemy of the state. Uh, well, it was an absolute battlefield. Yeah. It was an absolute battlefield. So we that's exactly what we were in. And I wish I knew then what I know now. I would do things a little differently, but just because I'm I'm not afraid of them anymore. They kind of should have just let us make our movie. But <laughs> they should have let us make our movie, but I'm not I'm not likely to go away anytime soon with this because I want restitution and I want to see people in prison. So how what do you think criminal acts were taking place other than this harassment, right? So that's a criminal Well, uh, the mere the mere amount of cyberbullying, cyber harassment, the death threats. I'm not talking about a few, I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds or thousands and thousands of filling up your timeline with this stuff. Um, doxing you, some of that stuff, of course the death threats, like I said. And and blocking the things. And also, I think there might be something in there when they are interfering, when they have the ability to interfere with our GOP congressmen's pages so that we couldn't help them get the co-sponsors for their bills. Can you imagine what history changing that might have been? Had Ted Yoho been able to get the co-sponsors for his Defines High Crimes and Misdemeanors bill. Right. Or the Stop the Censorship Act bill. Because the reason what we did, the reason it worked back then, was because Twitter Uncensored was the public square. Right? Town square. And it wasn't something that they could ignore. It wasn't something that a staffer stopped at a staffer answering the phone. So as a collective group, and other people would join us, you know, from time to time. And then you had a lot of people saying, "Hey, would you con- you know, co-sponsor this HR 36 bill and contact Frank Wolf?" So they saw it every night, and they started seeing that other people were signing on to it because congressmen get four or five hundred bills across their desk a year; they can't keep up with all of them. So that's why it was successful. So I would think that it would be criminal. I haven't looked into this. I'm not a lawyer, but maybe criminal for for Twitter's in inner office, Del Harvey, Trust and Safety, maybe uh, to allow them to be able to shut us up so we couldn't communicate with our congressman. I haven't looked into it, but it might be worth looking at. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there. I doubt that there's some of these are criminal acts shutting you off of Twitter. But I think that if they're harassing you or threatening you with death, that's clearly something you want to take to authorities. I would. Well, I do know that that's criminal acts and, and the sheer volume of cyberbullying and harassment that was on there, and the threats through the email and through the you know the things that we got on the the other platforms and things from them. And, and also, people have to realize uh, on big tech as a whole, say YouTube, 
when when we went on to start trying to make the 3D Christian movie projects, which was a great idea, and and maybe we'll be able to pick that up in the future, is when when you can't get a following on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube because you're censored into oblivion, it makes it even tougher to even to get your financing or to raise money, even if you want to do it outside of social media or outside of a, a fundraiser because they're blocking people from seeing it. Right. You know. They're chilling, chilling the uh, free speech. I mean, at least the principles of the First Amendment. But, yeah, I mean, doesn't mean you have to stay there. Like I destroyed my Twitter account. I don't even want to have anything to do. I went back in there for other reasons, but I know that I'm in a kind of digital gulag when I'm on Twitter or Facebook. So, but it's still a kind of a relevant issue. It all comes up all the way to the present with Elon Musk, right? Right. Well, exactly. And you know, I think that I think that if Elon Musk is successful, and I believe he will be, uh, that if he can get in there and 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 shadow ban and people can get on there and start being seen again that it, it is a twitter was a, a an awesome tool um for what we were doing to be able to get attention to things because you know to be able to influence congress and things like that by just simply showing them this bill you know say hey you need to get on this um it was a great tool for that of course president trump when he was on before they shut him Oh my goodness! I can't believe they. Even, I still can't believe they did right. that. It's, asto- uh, it's astonishing that they would kick a president off of there. Yeah, but it didn't surprise <clears throat> me one bit at that point. <laughs> it really didn't. Right. I think the thing that disappoints me more than anything is uh, back in 2013-14. Here we were working for. We really had a couple of years into doing a lot of uh, good stuff with Twitter as an activist tool. We did the first Fox News turn right boycotts. That was my former partners because he was in the the movie industry uh, and the TV. So he understood that. So that blogs on our Benghazi truth blog spot as well about Fox News turn right boycott. And so we were doing those kind of things at first. And then we went on to do the HR 36 and HR 442 stop this overreaching president bill and things. And it was, it was a powerful tool. The Twitter and Facebook have two different functions, obviously, uh, especially for those of us that, you know, want to be active and to get the word out. They have you know, pretty much different ways of operating. So whenever Trump gets Truth Social up and running, if it's supposed to be like Twitter, fantastic. If they were to merge together, better yet. That's what I think could happen. But you know what's interesting about this whole Musk thing is that they're afraid of him because he will has more free speech principles than them. Like that's part of the reason that they don't want to accept his original his offer which is above the share price like if the interest of the shareholders was to make money they would take accept that share price right and sell twitter to him so you can tell something else is going on you can see their thinking well yeah and i knew the other day i made a comment to somebody i said oh no they're not fighting him it's not just about the censorship um i think they are they are more con- they're just as concerned about what else they're going to find you know the oh, interesting. Right. so uh, i did see that somebody uh, um, a new acquaintance i saw something on their page and this is right and it says he said uh, they are just downright attacking people who could who could harm their political position bingo they were downright attacking those of us that 
could harm their political position. So it's not just the censorship. It's their their little trolling operation that they're running from within Twitter to right, destroy they're running it within Twitter. And the part of the issue we talked about in the pre-show is that they're taking directions from a political party. Right. Yeah, that's really the issue. And that's the that's the textbook definition of fascism when the government. Well, yeah. And, and you know, businesses you know, work together. I'm sorry. Well, you know that, uh, that Twitter was Obama's social media that he used, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, and and, gonna... and Trump, right? Trump Trump was tweeting notorious for tweeting all the time. Oh yeah, he was, and that was great. We love that. <laughs> so, we just, we know, love Trump's mean tweets. <laughs> yeah, but he set himself up to get shellacked. What they like to do these uh, tech fascists is wait for you to get a bunch of work on their stuff and then drag you out. They, they won't censor you until they see you're being effective so that it's twice the damage, right? So if you're not right. a person of really import, they don't care because you're not having an effect. But once they realize that you're entrenched and you're networking and you're effective, then it's like, okay, you're gone. So they can, that's what they, I think they do. Well, I, I do, and I do think that, I mean, you remember, and I, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I certainly did, when, when President Trump was on Twitter, I started noticing that as soon as he tweeted his 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 Twitter thread, immediately filled up with all these the, the hateful little leftist bots. It was like the second he tweeted, the first tweets that people saw were these bot accounts that just hated him. Well, that influences people's way of thinking when they read all that stuff. But these are bots. They're so bots. Got, They've proven there's tons of bots, bots on Twitter. Right, so Twitter allows bots. That should tell you about the principles of that corporation. Well, let me let me tell you let me tell you and your audience this, and something I noticed, and I hope somebody looks into it. Of course, they may already have done so. Back in 2018, when uh, Pro and I were on Twitter trying again to promote one of his new movie, movie projects, which we never could quite get off the ground, they just destroyed destroyed every angle we could possibly do at that point. Um, I think he's still going to try to do that. Hopefully we can get this back together. But but uh, well, he had uh, – somebody attacked him, a, a Twitter account, and Barack Obama was the second follower to that particular account. Hmm. Surprise. So yeah. I started looking at Barack Obama and who he follows on Twitter, and this interested me a lot because why would he be following so many – um, locked fake Twitter accounts that had three, 11, maybe 30 at the most followers. That And those accounts were started in 2008, 2009. So if somebody's following a locked Twitter account, nobody can see their tweets except the people that follow them. So you go back to the article, Obama has a Twitter army. These things all tie in together, in other words, right? Right. right? I believe that. I believe they had a force out there, little groups, um, to do just what they did to us, which was to attack them and, and threaten them and try to shut them up on Twitter until you couldn't function anymore on social media. Right. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <clears throat> and we talked a little bit about what sh you call him, Shiva, Shiva, Ayar, Durai. I think he's still in litigation, <laughs> still in yeah. litigation with Twitter, right? Right, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I follow that a little bit. I don't know a lot about it. I do know that um, evidently they cost him uh, his election. Um, I can't remember the details of it, but I do know that he, he um, I think he had said something to the effect of every state had a political representative that was a, more of a liaison with Twitter that could say, hey, we don't like these what these people are saying. Make them go away or make them be quiet think, or whatever. Yeah, I think the discovery that he did confirmed that there was a backdoor communication between Twitter and somebody from the Democratic Party targeting him or mentioning him. Mm-hmm. And that's, right. what it, that's what it proves. So that's not a public thing, but somebody has a number to call and say this is a problem. That's So he is, just similar to you, his social media was, was tinkered with or tampered with that cost him, that had, had real world effects. So yeah, I think that, that if that's, those are the facts, if I remember correctly. Well, for, I had tried, um, I tried for, uh, off and on for a few years to find an attorney. Of course, I don't have a million dollars to pay an attorney, uh, but to find one that would at least, or even a congressman, some of those congressmen I've asked this, and they did nothing, was to at least contact Twitter on my behalf and find out who the real person was behind the leader operative accounts that attacked us because it was very obviously a leader in that in with the, doing that and I, I had several handles and i've got the handles they wouldn't even That's write awesome. the letter because they go well twitter will never release that name if i find out if we can ever you'd get, have to to get a court you'd have to get a court or a discovery or be in some kind of litigation exactly ask for a discovery. But, but until until something opens up where somebody can actually win a case or get even get in there uh with some kind of justice, they weren't in any big hurry to even try that because they figured that they're not going to give it to us without a big, long, drawn-out court battle. Uh, but if we can find out who that was, it's either going to be this Xavier Von Erk person that was Dale Harvey's, the Twitter trust and safety head's best friend of her perverted justice group as the manager, ringleader of that group, and or somebody connected to the Obama-Hillary camps, or all the above. Because one of those um, operatives, uh, I found something out there years ago that said they worked for Twitter. One of them claimed to work for the government. There's revolving doors between government groups and these tech companies. So yeah, it seems to be a it, lot of that. Yeah. You're exactly this right. Is not, this isn't something... So it all makes sense now why it was so difficult to, to get justice when, when I was trying to get justice and filing police reports and p- reports to the FBI and trying to talk to some of the congressmen, it makes sense now while we were just beating our head up against the proverbial brick wall. It, it's plain as day now. So hopefully the things that I'm, I'm saying today and the proof that I have on the TeaPartyFinance.net website, it's, it's kind of cluttered up <laughs> these days. It was a kind of a fun site but everything on that website proves you know is all about what we did and created by my partner Prographic, and then also the benghazi truth blogspot.com reads like a diary especially when you go back to 2013-14 of information with screenshots um it's all it's all there so anything i tell you know say i can back it up and prove it right but that's still an issue so it's it's been eight years ago and this tech censorship there's really a tech battle because people are 
leaving some of these sites, which they should, and starting up their own sites, right? So there's what Getter and what are these other Gab and uh, there's so many other tech sites. If you realize Facebook is what lost half of its value or something like that, like people got yeah. smart and got out of the gulag. The the only thing with that, William, that you know, I ne I never was one of those they get off Twitter or Facebook, even though you're flipping invisible, uh, because all these other little uh, social media platforms have scattered people so much that they're still in an echo chamber, but they're still not getting the interactions on the most part. Um, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to whatever happens with True Social to where we feel like we can get on there and kind of get back to uh, the so, you know social media being the town. Uh, Right, Town Square. Well, I just think it's false. I think the expectation, I, I don't agree with you on that. I think the expectation is false. And people should make an exodus out of these fascistic, tyrannical, anti-free speech sites and let them wither on the vine. That's the best thing you could do. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why people, the best thing you could do is not give them any of your attention and money. I think that's really the best way to go. Well, they're not getting any money, that's for sure. <laughs> and you know, I, they're they really get money every time somebody's on there. They're getting subjected to their advertisement, and those advertisers are paying for a person's. Uh, which pla which platform have you found to be most beneficial to you? Well, I went to Gab, so I, I found that Gab is good. I'm on Minds, and I went back. I destroyed my entire. Uh, sites on Twitter and Facebook, which was good. And then I kind of crawled back with my broadcast, William Ramsey Investigates. And do you have a you know, Telegram so I don't account? Care. What's up? Do you have a Telegram account? No, I don't use Telegram. I used Parler for a little bit, but then they started. I felt like they were asking me for my phone number and all that stuff. I didn't want to be that. Well, once so. I learned to use Telegram, I've got <clears> probably follow 100, 150 groups now mm -hmm. uh, on the phone app if i hadn't been watching that for the past couple of years i would not have a clue what's going on out there uh, oh, and so, so many of my friends are on it yeah so so yeah there's a lot of garbage on there and a lot of things you gotta kind of have to dig and work through yourself but there's a lot of good content and that's where i get my content i don't see i don't see it on facebook i don't see it on twitter everything's just you just don't you just don't so anyway Telegram's kind of been where a lot of us have been getting our news. Just right. So, so what do you think that should happen? Like, uh, what do you want to see happen with Twitter or Elon Musk? Do you think that he, that he, if he becomes the owner, he could expose all of the malfeasance that they've been up to for the last decade, right? Yeah, I, I really think that I think that Elon Musk will be successful. He's um, in, in getting Twitter. And he's certainly a free speech person. So uh, they're fighting him, evidently, not only because of the free speech, but because I think that, like you know, like I said on the Conservative Treehouse articles yesterday, if people haven't read those, it might be worth a quick glance, um, was um, all the other things that are going on in the background and what the connections are to beyond big tech who's really pulling the strings again so yeah i mean it, you know it, it's like 
it's like the stolen election and the COVID thing and this. Everything is multi-pronged, right? So it's it's been kind of uh, difficult unless you follow all of it and you see it from what they call that 40,000-foot view and put all your puzzle pieces together. It's kind of hard for most people, if they miss some of that, to understand it. Because everything the deep state does has been a multifaceted approach. Right. So, bit, you know. right. Yeah, but yeah, so, I, I mean, think that he'll do it. I'd love to see him merge with True Social eventually. I think that, that infrastructure might be very, very beneficial to keep Look at the incredible censorship on COVID. All across the board, everything was controlled. The entire mm-hmm. narrative was controlled. You oh, couldn't have an opposing narrative until... And, you know, it's no wonder that what we call the normies or the sleeping sheep or whatever you want to call people that aren't paying attention. It's not that I think, you know, I have to defend people sometimes when they go, well, just go look it up themselves. Well, unless you give them a direction, unless you give your friends and your family that you're trying to open their eyes a a direction on what you believe and, and, you know, what your favorite, if it's uh, your favorite podcasters, articles. Put them in a direction because they can go research and think they've researched the correct thing. You know, they can get on Google and type in stuff and they can get a different slant. When I first got into the political scene and didn't didn't know, I, I'm like, you know, you've heard Lindell say the same thing, didn't know anything. I didn't know there was a difference in these liberal rags or the conservative ones, you know, because they can spin it and make you believe it. So it took me it took me a hot minute to you know start learning and figuring out and some help of some friends as to what was what I should be reading, just to, so I could end up making my own opinions of what's going on. So right. be patient with the people in your family and friends. I would tell everybody uh, that hasn't been following politics. Right, we're at about thirty-seven minutes, Kathy. Do you have anything you'd like to add, or where's your social media? People can read read your stuff. You know, um, I've got, we've got uh, the older um, website, teapartyfinance.net. If you want, there's a contact box there that'll come to me. Um, Then we've got uh, the Benghazi Truth Blogspot.com, my former partner's old uh, blog spot that just got a lot of good things on there to read if you want to dig back into what was going on 2013 14. But the only other place to reach me is I did create a, a little telegram channel called Patriot Fire Ants, mostly just for myself. It's public. I just share um, um, articles and, and other people's posts on there primarily, but you can reach me there. Gotcha. I will put a, I'll put a link to that into the show notes. Okay, cool. And yeah. again, the guest name is Kathy Shell Amadon, and we were talking about big tech censorship. It didn't start uh, two years ago. It goes all the way back eight years, ten years. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Bye. Stay there, stay there.